0: Hey there, it's Kyle Boone, a.k.a. Strong
1: Jaw, a.k.a. Staff Rider at CBS Sports. Welcome to the ION College Basketball YouTube channel. We've got a special show for you guys today as we turn our eyes from the college season to the NBA draft season. David Cobb is here. David Cobb, how you doing, man?
2: Hey, KB, I'm doing okay. Uh, excited to do a little uh, mock draft with you here.
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm very pumped about this. So we have been exchanging emails the last few days. We are going to do an entire first round NBA mock draft live on the YouTube channel today. That's right. All 30 picks. We're going to alternate picks. We're going to each assume the role as NBA GM of each respective team. Now, Obviously, the draft order is not solidified yet. 15 to 30 is. But the lottery is not we still have yet to do the lottery so uh for those we've used sports line projections to formulate the the lottery order um and we're just gonna go alternate pick by pick i'm gonna i'm gonna take the first pick and uh we'll just go one through 30 here uh before we make our picks by the way if you're not already subscribed to the youtube channel please subscribe to the youtube channel will make not a happy will make me happy uh tap that bell that way you are alerted to when we go live and you'll get all the latest episodes as, as they go into the into the uh, channel here. So uh, leave us some nice comments. Helps others find us. Makes our bosses happy. We like that. Okay, let's get started here. I'm on the clock at number one, picking for the Houston Rockets. And with the first pick in this 2022 NBA draft, I'm going to take Chet Holmgren, the center from Gonzaga. Look, I think I think Houston has something very real, obviously with Jalen Green, and, and I really like Alperen Sengun. Uh, but I think Chet would be kind of a missing piece here, so you have to take a huge swing with the seven-footer out of Gonzaga. He's an elite defender, really good shot blocker, one of the most unique prospects that I've ever seen personally. Uh, was top ten in block rate last season as a true freshman at Gonzaga. Uh, you want to take big swings here with with your with your top picks. Obviously, you're you're picking at the top for a reason. Houston is not a good team at, at present. I'm a little bit concerned about Chet Holmgren at at number one just because he's seven foot and he's like 112 pounds, right? He's super skinny.
0: He looks hey, like a gazelle. We, are,
2: are you ready for him to miss 25 games or more uh, probably multiple times within the first five or six years of his career? Are you ready for that?
1: I, I don't know. I think I'm ready for it. I, I'm just willing to take the bet that... Look, I have Jaden Ivey number one. Personally, I would take him number one. But if you're Houston, right, like to me, you want to take the biggest swing. I love Jaden Ivey. I I stand at the Jaden Ivey altar. But I do believe that J, uh, Chad Holmgren is the biggest swing you can possibly take in this draft. And so that's why Houston GM, I'm taking him with the first pick.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I just pointed this out in my mock draft the other day that a couple of the comps for Chet Holmgren, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Jaron Jackson Jr. both dealt with pretty serious knee injuries before age 24, and in both cases, those injuries kept them out for extended periods of time. And we'll see how they hold up long term. Being seven foot and doing it all is really cool. It works well in a video game, but the reality is that seven-foot bodies doing what some of these guys can do athletically, it's a lot to ask for over an 82-game season. So th- that's my long-term reservation there. But you took him off the board. You didn't even give me the choice to pass up on him. Uh, yep. So with my with the number two pick, in this case, uh, it's for the Rockets. Uh, actually, is it for the Rockets or is it for the Magic?
0: It's for the, for the
2: Orlando players. Magic. That's right. Okay. All right, so I, I really wasn't even looking at, at, at roster, at, at cap sheets, at yep. you know long-term projections for a franchise because, like you said, the draft order isn't set yet. So it's not so much of like, oh, he's this guy's got to go to Orlando as it is. I think he's the se- safest bet in the high end of this lottery, and that's Paulo Banquero. And if yep. you read my mock draft that published on Monday, it, it was a no-brainer that this would be who I would pick at number two because I had him at number one overall in my mock. And it's not because I think that oh he's definitely the guy with the highest upside in this draft class. I just think he's the safest bet, the lowest or the uh, the highest floor, uh, because yeah. I think the floor for Paulo Bancaro is as an NBA starter, and I think that's what he could be almost day one, uh, which is you know crazy for a guy who's who's still 19 years old. And so you know, uh, is he? Is the three-point shot as alluring as what Jabari Smith provides? No. Is the rim protection as appealing as what Chet Holmgren might bring? No, it's not. But uh, I just think he's a safer bet because of how well-built he is, because of how versatile he already is defensively. And I just think he's going to be durable because you're just going to have to pack so much weight onto Chet Holmgren and so much muscle for him and Jabari that Paulo, he feels safer to me. And I don't know how much GMs prioritize safety, uh, but if you're a franchise that is not in the mood for a huge risk, Paul was a great choice. So that's why I picked him at number two.
1: Yeah, I like it. And you're going the anti-Martin Brundle here by identifying Palo caro as Palo Caro early and not Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely love it. I do feel like Orlando has been prone in past years to just take biggest possible swings possible, right? Like Jonathan Isaac was, was a huge swing. They had um, – uh, mo Bamba, who you know was basically drafted because he was like seven foot plus and had a crazy wingspan they're willing to take risks uh but that franchise is at an interesting point where they've taken Jalen suggs they've taken cole anthony they've got some interesting pieces so i like the palo bancaro pick uh offensively that team would be super duper fun to watch uh i'm on the clock here at number three for the detroit pistons you know who i'm gonna take it's it's my it's my large adult son jaden ivy Look, I, I get him at number three. I'm super excited about it. And I get him to pair next to Cade, and Cade Cunningham, my other large adult son. Ivy is an elite athlete, um, incredible burst, can can pressure the rim at will. He needs to obviously develop in a few areas. That's why I, I think he's not a consensus number one. And he may not even be a consensus top three pick in this draft. Um, needs to develop as a decision maker he had a lot of times during the season last year with Purdue where he would just get going towards the rim and it's like, he wants to make a play, but he gets caught up in the air and just makes a dumb pass. There's a lot of plays like that with, with Jaden Ivy, where you, he shows you the talent and then it's like, Oh man, what are you doing? You know?
2: And Kyle there, there's the whole thing with, um, you know, defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The defense is, is undeniably a problem. Um, I'm betting on the upside of his offense, just being so good that, he'll eventually overcome it, but it's absolutely a question. Uh, Putting him next to Cade Cunningham, I think in terms of just creating an ability for both players to have some sort of creation, uh, kind of sharing that load, I think, I think would be super fun that Pistons team offensively would be really, really fun to watch. So um, I'll, I'll just take the value here. He's, he's the number one prospect on my board. I get him at number three. Hooray for me! I'm I'm super pumped for the Pistons. You're on the clock uh, with my OKC Thunder here at number four.
2: Yeah, man, uh, that, that's that's great that you got Jaden at three. I know you're happy about that. So uh, congratulations and and good luck. Uh, yeah. So uh, number four, this is crazy. Uh, an absolute steal at number four, Jabari Smith. I mean, this is a guy who I think a lot of people are are rightfully giving number one overall pick buzz to. But you know what's fun about this draft is you can make the case for several guys. And number one that's why i think this will be a more exciting lead up to the draft than maybe what mm-hmm. we're used to when sometimes in recent years it's obvious who's going to be number one and i think there's you know up to six guys who you can make a case for. you might be reaching you might be reaching for keegan murray or Jaden ivy but like i, I think a, a good lawyer could could represent those guys and make their case for number one so uh and then obviously you know chet paolo um and jabari smith so to get jabari smith at number four just the upside is tremendous for a six ten guy who can shoot threes. The concerns there are, are uh, is he gonna get abused physically, but he'll 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 develop he'll mature physically over time and Uh, you know, he'll tighten up the handle too. I guess in my mock that, that Nada has pulled up here, that's the one thing I kind of mentioned is that NBA teams are going to be far better equipped to take away his one elite skill. And that one elite skill is three point shooting NBA defenses that don't play sluggish traditional bigs at the power forward position. Like sometimes he faced in college aren't going to be as well, or they're going to NBA teams are going to be much better equipped than some of those college teams to defend him out on the perimeter. So uh, it's just going to be an adjustment for him, and, and as they run him off the three-point line, he's going to have to tighten up that handle and show a little bit more of a playmaking and facilitating type of slant to his game in the long run. Th- these are things that he can develop and work on. It's it's not a long-term concern. These are just reasons to, you know, I think justify maybe not taking him at number one if if you know if you're looking to to add some intrigue there. Um, I think he could slip for some of those reasons. So, uh, but yeah. still, obviously, I'm happy to get him at four.
1: And honestly, I think Jabari maybe showed the most promise in terms of development as a college prospect among any of these top four this past season. Because um, clearly, like he was, he was an elite shooter. That's why he's going to be be drafted. He has an elite skill set as a, as a shooter and and has good range. But like some of the stuff he showed off the bounce, I think is pretty promising, and I think it translates to the NBA. Like he's not going to be a primary creator or anything. He's not going to be running your offense or initiating your offense, but. I mean, just like the, the fluidity with which he plays, the shooting, the size, um, the positional versatility, really like that at number four. I'd be shocked if he falls to number four on draft night. So this is this is for you. This is great value. I know my Thunder fans here in Oklahoma City would be super happy. Uh, if if he slipped to number four. I don't think they would be as happy if they're picking at number four, but Jay, uh, Jabari Smith would be uh, would be kind of a nice consolation prize. At number five for the Indian uh, the Indiana Pacers, I'm going to take Shaden Sharp at number five. Um, he played as many minutes at Kentucky as I did last season. Big um, fat zero. He enrolled at the mid-year point with the Wildcats. Didn't play, uh, but we're talking about an elite prospect, former number one recruit in his class before he reclassified. He's six foot six, plays a shooting guard position. Great shot maker. Uh, There's a video out there. He apparently has a 49 inch vertical, which would break the NBA combine record. So an elite athlete, he's very, very explosive. Um, would love that with the Pacers get, get him next to Tyrese Halliburton. I would love that duo. And, um, shade and sharp to me i think is one of the more interesting and like polarizing prospects in this draft class he's he said that he's leaving the door open for him to return to college i don't think anyone expects he's going to return to college but his range to me is is pretty fascinating it's going to up in the the lottery i think because i think anywhere from like three to 14 like into the lottery is pretty reasonable and you know if if we're going to stick with you go, you want to take the the biggest swing with your pick like you could argue that Shaden Sharp should maybe go number one in this draft, right? Like he's still pretty young, um, has a chance to really grow and develop. We didn't see him at at Kentucky. So I think there's like some mystique, some mystery surrounding Shaden Sharp that adds to some intrigue surrounding him. Number f- Number five, I think, is probably in the range where he goes like somewhere between five and eight. But yeah, at number five, I'm willing to be aggressive just knowing that he has elite upside as a prospect.
2: Yeah, so, so number six, I think this player profiles as kind of the opposite. I think you talk about Shaden Sharp being a little bit of, a mysterious, maybe somewhat of a risk. I mean, the, the guy I'm about to take is uh, someone who we've seen quite a lot of uh, over the last couple of years in college basketball, and that's uh, Keegan Murray to, to the Trailblazers at number six. And you, you guys saw I mocked him out at, at number three in Monday's uh, mock draft, and I had my entire lead to that mock draft written about Keegan Murray and why I believe – Uh, He deserves to be in that conversation to be a top three pick. And I think if you take the name off the front of that Jersey and replace it with Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina or Kansas, and you replace on his 24 seven sports uh, prospect page, the three-star ranking with a five-star ranking, I think Murray might even be in the conversation to go number one. Overall, this guy is an absolute offensive firecracker, but beyond that, he, he can guard one through five. I mean, we talk about Paulo and like, oh, maybe one day he can do that. And like, you know, he can, he can kind of do it now. And like Jabari Smith, same thing. And, you know, Chet, it's like all these guys can develop into these hyper versatile defenders who can switch onto anyone and uh, protect the rim and all these things. And it's like, well, Keegan Murray can do all that now. I mean, at six foot eight, he played as an undersized center in Iowa's system a, a ton of minutes. Uh, And he blocked 1.9 shots per game uh, this past year for the Hawkeyes. And so his three point shot is already there. The defensive versatility is already there. Some of the playmaking stuff is already there. And so you're kind of like, all right, what are we missing here? And so I think the floor for Keegan Murray is as an elite role player, because he's not a guy who needs the ball in his hands at all times. He's not somebody who's going to have a, just a ridiculous usage rate. And so, I think he could be the first player in this draft class to reach an NBA all-star game. He'll be 22 when the season starts. Maybe that's a red flag for some people, but as somebody who is used to cover the Grizzlies and and still follows them pretty closely, let me just tell you for a second, there should be no shame or no fear in drafting a guy who um, is the older prospect or like, Oh, maybe his arms are too short. Like I get all that. But at the same time, look, the Grizzlies got Desmond Bain at, you know in the 20s a couple years ago he's, 20s, he's turned yeah. out to be yeah he's turned out to be an elite shooting guard he's he's going to be an all-star and then you know you look at the same thing with brandon clark and a lot of teams passed on him a, a few years back for for no good reason other than that you know his arms were too short like t-rex arms yeah, yeah. they do can play ball right like you know i mean uh, people might have said that your your jaw was too strong kyle but you know, you your wife still right. married you anyway, and you know, you, you, obviously you guys are doing great. So, anyway, that's that's my spiel on Keegan Murray. I don't think he's too old, and and I think that if he'd played for another school or maybe been more uh, known as a high school prospect, that he'd be in this conversation right now to go in the top three. So that's a long winded spiel I wrote about him. Obviously, I like talking about the guy. So uh, that's my pick with number six overall, and and now it's back to you at number seven.
1: Yeah, I I don't hate it. I just don't love it. At number six, like again, going back to like draft philosophy. If you're the port of the Trailblazers, like you're you're kind of resetting as a franchise. Do you want someone who's going to be like a real good NBA player, or do you want someone who's like maybe an All Star, like maybe elite? Like I think Keegan Murray will be a really good NBA player. I don't I don't see All Star with him and. He's a little bit older. Will be 22 when the season rolls around. He's a little bit smaller uh, in terms, of, like positionally. I think he is. Um, he's a pretty good defender. Like he's a great offensive player. I think the two way versatility is is very real. But I'm more comfortable in this draft maybe taking him in like the 10 to 20 range as opposed to like the five to 10 range. And uh. so. You're a little, you're a little aggressive. Like I would just prefer to, honestly, it's, it's more of a philosophy thing with me. Like I would prefer to take a shooting guard or a wing just because their value in the NBA, whereas Keegan Murray's like never going to be an offensive creator. Right. Ty Ty Washington, who I'm going to take at number seven with the Sacramento Kings um, here to me represents like a bigger swing. And to me, someone who like, you can help, you can kind of build around. Keegan Murray is a connector. He's a really good player. Uh, but I'm not. I'm not taking him this high in this draft. I'm. I'm fine with it. It's. It's a floor versus upside swing, like that type of philosophical argument. Um, I can tell. I've, I've already rattled your cage, this Cobb, and I'm really sorry. Like,
2: think about this, man. Think about the progression he made from freshman to sophomore year. No, I get I, it. I consider Iowa hasn't had a first-round draft pick since Ricky Davis in the '90s. So you're talking about a guy who still has more ceiling uh, and, and more room to yeah. grow and develop. Like, I don't know who he played AAU ball with, but he's from Iowa. I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and suggest that perhaps they don't have the highest level AAU uh, summer ball out there, you know, that he may not have, he may have had to travel a long way uh, to, to get seen. And so I just think there's another level here with this guy that, you know, maybe we're trying to put him in a box too early, you know, and, and yeah. he can really play any position. I think he can develop the handle and, and the, in the facilitating type of, type of stuff over time. So, I mean, I, I hear you. Um, I'm going to be real curious now over the, the coming weeks and, and, and especially with the combine coming up to see like sort of how he shakes out coming out of the combine.
1: Yeah. It's going to be really interesting. Um, at number seven, I'm, I'm obviously going to take uh, for the Sacramento Kings. I'm taking Ty Ty Washington. Uh, Kentucky two-way guard two of two two of Sacramento's last lottery picks were were guards with Davion Mitchell and and Tyrese Halliburton Tyrese was was an absolute hit we'll see on Davion I I think he showed some flashes but Halliburton was shipped off via trade Uh, I think this team could use some depth at the guard spot Ty Ty is is another guy that I'm pretty pretty high on higher than most Um, was honestly like he, he came in as a, as a combo guard right at Kentucky, but played mostly off the ball. And I feel like that helped him quite a bit. He learned to play off the ball, learned to play like as a shooter. And um, I think there's some untapped potential here that we have with Ty-Ty as, as like a creator and, and someone that we really didn't see in that role at Kentucky. Um, when Severe Wheeler was out at Kentucky, he took over the, the starting point guard spot. And what did he do? He broke John Wall's assist record. So the guy can create. I like his versatility on offense. Uh, he was injured a lot of the season too. So I'm I'm kind of buying the dip. I'm buying a on Tai Washington in hopes of you know maybe th- this guy has a lot more untapped potential and the fact that he was injured. Um, I, I admit this is higher than most that on uh, on Ty, Ty Washington, but at number seven, I think he feels the need for for the Kings. You go up, you pay maybe a little bit of a premium, but at number seven, I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah, I dig it. You know, I had him at thirteen, as you can see there on the screen in the mock. Yeah. But man, the versatility with with Ty is huge. I, you have no argument with me there. I think you can you can make case pretty soundly because he can play either guard slot. I love that toughness, man. I mean, I remember I think yeah. it was uh, I want to say either against Auburn or Tennessee. Heck, it might have been both because, like you said, he dealt with injuries a lot. But trying to play through it, which I know isn't the most sound or wise or logical decision in many cases, but a lot of times you associate these one and done players with just, I don't know, kind of being a little bit soft in college and, and preserving themselves for their future, which is in some cases, you know, the the wise and prudent decision, but man, he was just, you could just see he was such a competitor. He just, he wanted to be out there at all times. And like, I see that and I'm like, all right, like I dig that. Like that makes me excited for, you know, the type of player you're getting in your organization. So I'm cool with you, you know, taking a little bit of a risk there on, on him higher. Um, and I guess that brings me to my next pick, which uh, is going to be Ochai Akbaji at number eight. You know, pretty high for a four-year college guy, but obviously uh, he was phenomenal. He was the best player for the, the national championship winning team, which doesn't always mean a whole lot in terms of in NBA translation, but I think in Akbaji's case, it's pretty clear that his game will translate uh, to a high level in the NBA. And given his age, his experience and his skill set, you know, I can see him starting and playing a pretty big role next year, maybe being a double-digit scorer, maybe being somebody who gets in the mix for NBA All-Rookie type of honors because, yeah, he can develop and there will be a transition for him going to the next level. But at the same time, you know, this is a guy who I trust. Uh, you can plug and play to a certain extent in the NBA. He's a 6'5 wing with good three-point shooting and pretty good defensive versatility. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, with Agbaji for my next selection.
1: I love it. You love the old guys. This is fantastic. I'm I'm <laughs> taking all the swings on the young well, guys. Well, hey, let boys. me say
2: this, like like the the most stressful part about doing the mocks and like doing what we're doing now for me, it's inter- uh, evaluating the international prospects. Mm-hmm. Because I don't watch them. I mean, I don't and it, or overtime elite. Like I'd, I've never seen them play. I've seen all these college guys play so many times that I feel comfortable evaluating their games, but when i do a mock or i'm i'm talking to you about you know draft stuff i've got to go and like just watch a ton of youtube stuff and read about some of the international and like g league ignite guys because you just don't see them as much and so right. for us our primary uh, jobs are covering college ball we get super comfortable with those prospects you do more draft than i do so you're more familiar with the international and g league guys so like i feel like i'm at a little bit of a disadvantage here cuz you're going to get some like sneaky value coming up on, you know, a couple of these international guys that like, I just don't feel as comfortable with because I haven't evaluated them, you know, like I would a college player who I've seen play, uh, you know, 25 times on TV or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely have an advantage and I am absolutely taking advantage of it. Uh, At at number nine for the San Antonio Spurs, I'm going to take AJ Griffin. Um, Can't imagine a world honestly in which AJ Griffin falls to number nine uh, but I will take it. I think the Spurs would happily take it. He shot nearly fifty percent from three last season just a just a powerful athlete, just very explosive six foot six wing, uh, major defensive potential like started the season last year with Duke injured. He had a right knee injury took him some time to get going. but I think developed into one of Duke's most interesting long-term prospects. and at least at one point during the season, I was comfortable having the Palo Bencaro versus AJ Griffin discussion. I, I still, I think would lean Palo Bencaro, Um, But I think there's a real argument to be made that AJ Griffin could go over Palo Bencaro, you know, at least in terms of his long-term NBA upside. So um, I, I, I like him at number nine. I think he has all-star potential. Uh, the injury questions I think are very real, especially coming off the injury last year, but he, w- he was really good for Duke. I like his athleticism, the two-way upside. Reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Butler, just tough, physical, like does it all. And uh, so at number nine for the Spurs, the team that is rebuilding, I will, uh, I will take A.J. Griffin from Duke.
2: I think he seems like a really good dude too like and he's going to be a pro because you know obviously with his father being an NBA veteran and NBA coach that AJ Griffin's going to understand the league and understand uh, what it's about and that will ease the transition for sure so that that's a good pick there he could he could be a big winner you know from the combine not sure what all you know everyone's going to do at the combine but like I could see him uh, standing out, and and certainly once he gets into the interviews, I think he'll be somebody who blows teams away. So, sure. I dig it. Nice pick there, at number nine, uh, number ten. Uh, I'm going Tari Eason, and Whoa. I think this. Might, yeah, I know, I know. It might be a little high for some people, uh, but you're talking about a somebody who fits the mold, man. He's a modern four in the NBA, and like he can yeah. he can play defense, man. He's just tenacious, gritty. Um, like I don't know that you're getting an all-star here. I'm not. I'm not convinced that. He's gonna be a, a starter for a team that that goes deep into the playoffs. But the comp I make in the mock draft is like he's a little bit more of a of a perimeter perimeter-oriented Montrez Harrell. So yeah. both guys six eight, um power forwards who just do the dirty work, who guys who you want on your team who you probably hate if you're the opponent or the opponent's fan base. And so and And I say all that, and the guy averaged seventeen points a game for for LSU. So uh, clearly he can score, put the ball in the basket, He can shoot threes. Uh, I think he can play off the pounce a little bit more than than you might expect for somebody with that power forward label. So I think the defensive versatility is there. The ability to score at multiple levels is there. Um, you know he's maybe not the most like refined or or fundamentally sound player in the world. Uh, there's a reason he started out as an overlooked prospect at Cincinnati and uh, and then transfers to LSU and just has a monster year. So more untapped potential, maybe even there. And, and I I like his game. And so this is high, I know, but, but I'm going with Tari Eason at at number 10.
1: Yeah. I I like this pick. Um, It it does feel like you're drafting him for defense and then just hoping that the offense comes around. Like he was productive at LSU. Don't get me wrong, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure all of it is going to translate, but uh defensively like if you can be a difference maker um we've seen guys like that in in the nba make a name for themselves you know like matisse Seibel was he was okay on offense in college but defensively he was just an absolute monster he's a starter for the 76ers that's uh that's a similar path i think Easton could carve out at number 11 new york Knicks. i'm taking johnny davis that's right three level scorer, creator strong defensive player Brings versatility. He's tough. He's a winner. I feel like it's exactly what this uh, this new Knicks regime is 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 looking for in in prospects. Last we saw of Davis, obviously he was hobbled after a late season injury, but um, the size, the the scoring. I want to see him improve as a as a three point shooter. I think that will eventually come. You know the the free throw shooting looks pretty good. Mechanics look good, and then defensively, like I think I think he can guard multiple positions. So. Uh, that type of uh, that 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 type of wing, I think of the NBA is so so valuable. So getting him at number eleven outside the top ten, um, yeah, give me all the Johnny Davis stock. I'll take it.
2: Man, he is going to be. He's to me is like one of the biggest mysteries of this draft class because I think you can make the case that look he played at Wisconsin in a system that was pretty archaic, uh, didn't have a ton of possessions, still managed to score a ton even though his team played at a slow pace. So there's that side of it. But then there's, you know, the three-point shooting being a little iffy. And, like, uh, how does he do if there's another guard on that team that has the ball in his hands, you know, a ton? Like, how's he going to be in a more off-the-ball secondary role? And he yep. was pretty good in that, in that sense as a freshman. But, yeah, crazy interesting pick there. Um, and, and I think he's a great get at, at number 11. I, I'm just curious to see how his career pans out. He's, he's, he's a fascinating player to me.
1: For sure. All right, you're on the clock at number 12 for the Thunder again.
2: I know. Okay, so five of my six picks I'm realizing have been power forward. So, again, so obviously the <laughs> Thunder, uh, under my direction, I've already selected Jabari Smith in this exercise. Let me reiterate, uh, I did not go through rosters and, like, cap breakdowns and depth charts, you know, formulating the, this mock draft. I'm solely going based off of collegiate and international talent and just sort of where I think things will shake out in this draft, regardless of team. And with that being said, I'm going Jeremy Sokan who had a yeah. nice season for Baylor. Yeah. Power forward uh, by nature, uh, comfortable shooting the three though, defensive versatility. These are all the same things I've said about like almost every player, because like I said, five of my six guys have been, you know, quote unquote power forwards or yep. form them or whatever. And so, but look, I mean, in, in, in the NBA today, you need those guys to, uh, B, do-it-all Swiss Army Knives, guys comfortable playing without the ball, guys comfortable playing multiple positions, uh, guys comfortable stretching the floor. And, like, all these guys who I'm picking, they they check all of those boxes. And so you know, Sokan's a good defender. Uh, he showed plenty of comfort shooting the three. His percentage still has to get better. Uh, but, man, he was an elite role player for Baylor. And if you can get an, an elite role, play, role player in the NBA at number 12, like, that's that's good value. Because once you get out of the top 10 – you're not looking for a superstar anymore if you get one great but like yeah, you can't true. you can't go in with those expectations once you get to this point in the draft. And so I think Jeremy can over the long run in the NBA will be what he was at Baylor, which is a really helpful, useful uh, role player that you can go pretty far with.
1: and I, lo- I love this pick because Jeremy Sohan is a guy that like grew up playing almost guard. Right. He, he had some late growth spurts and I feel like, like at Baylor last season, there were times where Baylor was running its offense through Jeremy own, like mm-hmm. his, his passing, his playmaking ability, I think is, is pretty, pretty underrated. And um it, it feels like with him, he is always in the mix, like on defense, if there's a scrum, it's like, okay, Jeremy. Soan, he's, he's right in the thick of things. Like he is just a havoc wreaker. He's a creator. He is always at the center of attention. He's always doing something. I think making plays and um, a guy that like you just want on your team, right? Like a like a Marcus Smart type in terms of just like man, I hate playing against that guy, but I love that he's on my team. So yeah, number twelve, like that's that's uh, that's a really fantastic value. I think he's going to end up being a top ten pick. Um, at number thirteen for the Charlotte Hornets, I'm taking J- Jalen Durant. Um, and not a long exhale right here. The Hornets are finally getting a big man. They need front court help. I finally will not have to hear not a complaint about Charlotte needing front court help. And yes, they do need front court help. I, I, I will absolutely admit that. Holy hell, Jalen Duran would be absolutely awesome in, in Charlotte. Uh, give Lamella Ball a nice lob threat. He's a really versatile defensive player, plays above the rim, does a little bit of everything. Uh I think this is a good pick at number 13. I gotta toss it back to you, though, because you've got him at 30?
2: 3-0? I think you can, think you can get what Jalen Duran offers you later in the draft. I mean, yeah. so if you're Charlotte and this is the move you need, you need, you need help up front, trade down. See if you can get another pick or, or get a player. I mean, whatever, free up some cat space, trade down. You can get what, what Jalen Duran provides you later in the draft because you know who's still on the board? Mark Williams, Walker Kessler. Like, There's some other big men out there who are rim protectors, lob threats. Who, in my opinion, might actually do it better? If you go to my mock, you're going to see Mark Williams and Walker Kessler ahead of Jalen Duran, and I think Jalen Duran can stick in the league. I think he can be an NBA guy. He's obviously got the physical tools. Rebounding, the rim protection are there. There's no offensive skill whatsoever, and I'm not knocking the guy. Like he didn't play in a system at Memphis that was necessarily getting him back to the basket types of looks. But do we think he would be a player who could thrive? with the ball in his hands and, you know, back to the basket, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's really in his repertoire yet as a guy who reclassed and, you know, only played one year of college ball, dealt with an injury, dealt with Memphis COVID starts and stops. And, and so anyway, I think, yeah, I I think he's a late first round guy. Um, Charlotte maybe needs a big, they don't want to risk it. He's the one they like. I mean, I can maybe see it. I just, like I said, I think you can get what he provides later or if you want him now, you, I think Walker Kessler or Mark Williams might have a little more offensive skill, NBA ready, but uh, you do you, Kyle. You do you.
1: Jalen Duran is not last, lasting past the lottery. Let's make a handshake out of it. Really?
2: Down. You really no, don't think that? No chance.
1: So no chance
0: he's making that out. What's
2: there, what, what is, it in, like in that, with that train of thought, yeah. who is Jalen, you know, what is Jalen Duran's statistical profile like five or six years down the road if he's a lottery he, guy? He's
1: a lesser version of Bam Adebayo. The, the playmaking, I think, is, is going to translate. Like, we saw some flashes of it. Memphis' system wasn't necessarily built to accentuate that. But defensively, he's an absolute monster. I think mm-hmm. he's in multiple positions. The athleticism, the the leap ability, and the fact that he's just a super fun player. Like, I, I would be willing to take a chance on him with Charlotte especially, just tying him to a lamello ball, giving lamello a piece that it can kind of grow and, and to develop right next to him. So... Like with Mark Williams, you're getting guy who he's he can play above the rim, but he's not like the same leaping athlete that that Jalen Duren is. Same with Walker Kessler. Like Walker Kessler, I'm I'm not even entirely sure that he's going to be a starter in the NBA. I know Jalen Duren is going to be a starter in the NBA. I believe he's going to be a starter in the NBA, so I'm willing to take the chance on it um, at, at, at this spot in the draft.
2: Well, hey, good for you. I mean, you have a lot of faith in his ability to develop and you have a lot of faith in his ability to, uh, I don't know, become more coordinated, become uh, a little bit of a shooter. I I just think we saw more of the ball skills with Mark Williams and more of the the ball skills with Walker Kessler starting to shoot threes this past year. So agree to disagree. Uh, Let's revisit in five years.
1: Absolutely. All right, you're on the clock here at uh, number 14 for the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is our final pick of the lottery. And uh, and then we're going to bounce around a little bit to get through the end of this first round. Just a reminder, if you're if you're watching or listening now, uh, David Cobb has his uh, his first mock draft of the 2022 cycle on cbsports.com. Now you can go check that out. Uh, this is a separate uh, live mock draft that we're doing exclusively for YouTube. Um, so you can go back to the front of this episode if uh, if you've missed it. But uh, you're on the clock at number 14 for the Cavaliers.
2: Yeah. So rounding out the, the lottery, I'm going Ben Matherin. Uh, this pick is, is for Cleveland. Uh, wasn't necessarily just looking at fit per se, but I think Matherin's a lottery guy who another one of these players, there's been several now who we picked in the lottery. He took big strides as, as sophomores. And in many cases that was in a new system or under a new coach. And for Matherin that was under Tommy Lloyd, whose offensive philosophy he brought with him from Gonzaga and it really works for Matherin, who you know great three-point shooter but also has that length and athleticism to create uh rise up over opponents late in the shot clock which is a huge thing in the nba because it's a 24 second shot clock he's the type of guy who's gonna have the ball in his hands sometimes when things break down and i like that ability to rise up over almost any defender with the length and you know, hit, hit a mid range jumper. Um, not, not the most analytically sound shot, but when the situation calls for it, he can score at that level and then he, he's got the ability to get to the rim as well. So like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to sit here and tell you that he's some, you know, uh, two way star and that he's like some elite defender, you know, but I think the offensive upside is, is pretty great. And I think that the tools are there for him to be a good defender. So he's, he's my pick at 14.
1: Yeah. I like it. Kind of a three and D type of player. Um, not necessarily a, a superstar, but, Really good, quick release, like going to play a role in the NBA, a guy that I think I'm comfortable playing off the ball and uh, feel pretty good about that, especially at number 14. Okay, number 15, I take uh, with, for the Charlotte Hornets, I'm going to take Usman Dieng, 16 for the Atlanta Hawks. You took Kendall Brown from Baylor. At 17 for the Houston Rockets, I took Malachi Branham, and uh, the second half of the season, he was awesome, 17.3 points per game. 3.8 rebounds per game, 2.1 assists per game, shot 43% from three in the second half of the season, uh, 41.6% from three overall and uh, great size, excellent shooter. Uh, the defense is absolutely a question and a concern. I'm curious to see how he holds up on that end, but look, who cares? Like the Rockets are just taking swings here. You know, they already have several first round picks. So um, if, if you can get a guy, I think who's going to be an elite offensive player next to Jalen green, like, you got to take your swings. Um, I think it would be really fascinating with with Kevin Porter Jr. and, and Jalen Green and, and Malachi Branham. Who knows how that would work out. Defensively, that would probably be the worst team in the NBA. But offensively, super fun. I'll take it. Um, okay, so you're next at 18. Chicago Bulls, you took Dyson Daniels. 19 for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I took EJ Liddell. Number 20. The San Antonio Spurs, you took Mark Williams. Explain yourself. You love Mark Williams so much that you took him over Jalen, Stinking Duran.
2: <laughs> uh So the thing I like about Mark Williams is that he brings the, the heft of a traditional center, but I think yeah. he's got enough agility to get out and effectively defend the pick and roll as well, which is honestly all that you're really looking for with a five. I mean, maybe there's some matchups. Where he gets exploited because he's not so fleet of foot but he can hold his own i think in the pick and roll defense even as a guy who has that prototypical uh, old school Joel Embiid type of size and you know he's so effective at the rim the touch around the rim is so great i I get i get um kind of like allured by the field goal percentages around the rim of guys like kessler and mark williams and galen durham as a tad bit shorter just not as effective at the rim, not as good of a finisher. Great lob threat because he can jump up, grab the ball, and dunk it. But if he's in, you know, in the, the cylinder within eight feet of the basket, um, and you give me those three players, I'm going to go with Mark Williams or Walker Kessler, uh, unless it's a lob situation. And so, anyway, yeah, I think I think Williams is a great rim protector, uh, traditional center, but good enough defensively to more than hold his own. I'm not saying that he's a, a guy that's going to be the right play in every situation for a coach, but somebody who could find a long-term home in the league, um, almost like a, like a Steven Adams or or somebody who yeah. just uh, a grinder with uh, the, the, the tools to, to stick and find a home.
1: Yeah. I like that. And I think at number 20, that's pretty good value. That's about where I had him like before March. And I think clearly he helped his stock during March. So I think we could be talking about a guy who ends up going in the lottery. Um, I again, we're taking that bet. I think he goes behind Jalen Duran. Um, I think Duran ends up going higher than him in the lottery, but we'll see. Um, I, I again, I'd be surprised if he goes outside of the lottery. Mark Williams, that is. Um, but this is a, like this is excellent value at number twenty. Um, at number twenty-one for the Denver Nuggets, I'm going to take Patrick Baldwin Jr. Very controversial pick um played in only 11 games with milwaukee this past season his dad was subsequently fired um he was injured at the end of the season his senior year of high school he was injured played only a few games and um, had an ankle injury so there's absolutely some injury concerns here he has since entered the transfer portal and he's testing the nba draft waters we'll see if he comes back to school my guess is he's gone i think he's going to stay in the nba draft he was he was okay for milwaukee but he wasn't great like 12.1 points per game shot 26.6 percent from three but we're talking about a guy with elite upside at least a, a very strong pedigree as a former number one recruit in his class uh finished as like a top 10 recruit in his class um six foot nine like a prototype shooter willing to take the upside the gamble on him and it feels like in the past these types of prospects are the, are the ones that Denver's front office have taken swings on in the past with, you know, bull bull that took a swing on, on Michael Porter Jr. That one. So um, at number 21, like you could do much worse uh, taking a gamble here.
2: Yeah, um, I, I dig it. If you've got some risk tolerance and, and you know, they, they, the nuggets should, cause they've got enough talent to where, okay, if he works out awesome, if he doesn't, eh, whatever. Like, so yeah. unless you're trying to fill a position of immediate need, like, why not take a shot? I, I, I can dig that. I, I didn't have it Baldwin in my mock for many of the reasons you covered, but I, I don't I don't begrudge you for, for taking him there.
1: Yeah, if he falls out of the first round, wouldn't be shocked at all. I, I'm curious to see kind of what teams find out when they dig into the medicals because, you know, maybe it's just two fluke injuries that he had in consecutive seasons with the ankle, but um, it it feels a little bit like I kind of want to see it first. I'd prefer he come back to college. I'd prefer he kind of rebuild his stock. That doesn't seem likely, so um, I think his range in this in this draft could be anywhere from, like, 15 to 40, and, and nothing would surprise me. Uh, seems like a guy who, who might end up slipping on draft night. Uh, number 22 for the Memphis Grizzlies, you picked Nikola Jokic, not Nikola Jokic. Um, yeah, real
2: quick, I dig the tape, man. One of these guys who I got to do my homework on. And when I did, I was like, okay, I can see it. Like his offensive game, like the moves, the smoothness, it looks NBA ready. So, like, I mean, I, I was blown away. And the numbers that he posted in the FIBA U19 playing against some really high-level international competition, yep. very impressive. I'm not I'm not calling the guy the next Luka Doncic, but I'm saying that when you turn on the tape and watch him play, it's hard not to be impressed with the, with his offensive game.
1: Yeah, the playmaking for his size is absolutely his his sales pitch. This is a guy who I had top I had top 10 in the preseason. I'm not entirely sure that um that he's going to go, you know, top 20, but this is like this is great range for him. Like to, anywhere from 20 to 30 I think is reasonable in this draft. Uh 22 for the Grizzlies. I, I I really like that value. At 23 for the Brooklyn Nets, I selected Trevor Keels from Duke. At 24 for the Milwaukee Bucks, Justin Lewis is who you picked. Um, I'll let you explain yourself on Justin Lewis. This is a guy who I have in my first round too. So I'm I'm, uh, I'm with you on the, the Justin Lewis first round train.
2: Hey, I love versatile power forwards. What can I tell yes. you? <laughs> I, didn't yes. I didn't even really think about it when we were doing it, but like, golly, clearly I have uh, a blind spot or a weakness for the modern versatile power forward. I mean, yeah, he was just super productive for Marquette this past year as a sophomore. Yep. Another one of these guys who took a huge leap from freshman to sophomore. And when I see that, I just can't help but wonder, like, man, surely some of these guys still have that next step when they get coached uh, by, by an NBA coach and, and get those amount of reps in on a daily basis like you do in the NBA. It's just uh, for a guy who's shown the ability to have a, a higher ceiling year in and year out, like you, you just start to wonder. And so the thing I love about Lewis is that the rebounding toughness is there, the defensive toughness is there. So I, it feels like sometimes with the – Versatile power forward, you, you sacrifice a little bit of the hard-nosed edge and the physicality um, and whatnot, and I know the NBA is not as uh, gritty and, and hard-nosed as it was 30 years ago, but, like, I feel like with Justin Lewis, you get all that in addition to uh, some of the offensive and, and defensive versatility and, and skill.
1: Yeah, I took E.J. Liddell with the top 20 pick, so Justin Lewis, I think a similar skill set just in terms of his ability to, to space the floor. Very reasonable, really like that pick. At 25 for the Spurs, I'm taking Kennedy Chandler, the one and done uh, freshman point guard. 26, you took Dallas Mavericks uh, Gene Montero, and at 27 for the Miami Heat, I took Jaden Hardy from the G League Ignite.
2: Another um, big risk.
1: Yeah, it's 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 kind of a swing again. There's a lot of these guys who I had in my top ten in the preseason who have slipped for one reason or another. Jaden Hardy is another one. I had, I think, I had him in my top five in my mock draft in the preseason. Was a former top five recruit in his class. Spent the last season with the G, G, G League Ignite. He was kind of inefficient, an and I think that's probably why he's going to end up slipping just a little bit. Um, he's he's an okay score, kind of ball dominant. Not sure what his playmaking ability is, but. Look, at 27, like the shot creation is really, really interesting to me. I think he's got decent size at six foot four, uh, just a really good offensive weapon. And um, there's definitely some limitations in terms of what he can do defensively. Uh, I think what he can do in terms of his his scoring ability from an efficiency standpoint. But if you can create separation, and you can score and you create your own shot. At 27, I think there are worse gambles you could take and uh so i, I at uh, 27 for the heat I, that's who i'm taking what's a comp
2: um, what's a comp for Jaden hardy does one come honestly, to mind
1: yeah one that comes to mind is kevin porter jr from okay. from the rockets um just a guy who he can create his own shot he's very very talented uh the efficiency is definitely a question the defense is definitely a question the talent is absolutely not a question so um I think he's a first round talent. If he slips this far, I think I'd be a little bit surprised. Uh, but his range, again, some of these guys who are not college prospects are to me a little bit harder to pin down, like the G. Montero, Jaden Hardy, uh, Nikola Jovich. Like all of those guys, I think, have wider draft ranges than maybe some of the others. And maybe that's just because I'm more comfortable evaluating some of the college prospects. But Hardy, to me, like he could go anywhere between like 15 and 30. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah. at 27, like, I'll take I'll take the gamble here on Jaden Hardy.
2: Yeah, I mean, the last guy that I have probably something to contribute on would be Montero, who I have at 26, yeah. and had to look up highlights, do some you know, research sort of on the type of player that he is. I was really impressed with the way he performed in a game against the Team USA Select, I think it is. Uh, he was playing against a team that had some of – next season's uh freshman stars you know some of the best high school prospects in the game who have signed to play college basketball next season he was on the the world team and the numbers were insane he looks so smooth offensively and maybe there's some long-term defensive concerns there for a relatively undersized uh, point guard I understand that you know the the value of a player with minimal defensive versatility is not going to be as high as somebody who's six foot seven and can, can guard all five positions but I really like the, the offensive upside with Montero especially against some some guys who will certainly be NBA lottery picks in the near future um, in that game he played against the USA select squad you know uh, very recently it was about a month ago so uh, I was really impressed with what I saw say, again it's a small sample size we're more comfortable with those college guys but you know this is why this is why NBA teams devote so many resources to scouting and evaluating Uh, the international and non-traditional avenues because there's so much value to be had there i mean you look at the game now and and there's a just a huge number of guys who didn't come through the college system and were maybe undervalued as a result because uh, it's you know they're, they're everywhere and the 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 teams that scout them well um have a lot of success and so i mean i think montero could very easily just from the the bits and pieces i've seen of his game could go a lot higher than twenty six, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if he does because I've like I've liked what I've seen from his game.
1: Yep, for sure. Uh, Golden State Warriors at twenty eight. You selected Blake Wesley from Notre Dame at twenty nine for the Memphis Grizzlies. I selected Kevin McCuller uh, from Texas Tech, um, a guy who I think is a sneaky first round prospect. We'll see if he comes back to college or stays in the draft. He's already said he's transferring. If he comes back to college, he's either gonna go to Kansas or Gonzaga, or he's just gonna stay in the NBA draft. Kind of a guy who I think fits what the Grizzlies like in terms of toughness, good defender, guy who has college experience, kind of a two-way guy, Um, was was a star for a Texas Tech team that had the number one defense in, in college basketball this last season. At number 30, this is our final pick of the mock draft. Oklahoma City Thunder. You're again picking for the Thunder, and you're not picking a power forward. Hallelujah.
2: Christian Brown, small forward. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. a minor difference. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, Brown, another guy with a decision to, to make.
3: Yeah, okay, sure.
2: Baji made the decision to go back to Kansas. Now he's probably going to go in the lottery. Christian Brown could make the same decision and get the same result. But frankly, I think he's NBA ready now. So I, I, yeah, I don't think it would be a poor choice if he decided to come out.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like the size. The competitiveness is something that really stuck out to me when I was at the final four. You know, he's he's the guy who you're watching on the court and he's, you know, he's he's talking his talk. He's walking his walk. Like he's the guy who is trash talking every single person he steps on the court with. So, um, I like that aspect about him just his competitiveness, his fiery uh, skills. I think I think is really good. Um, the three-point shooting, I think he's been trained like he's he's pretty athletic too, like good size, pretty athletic, can run the transition. Um, at 30, I think this is about where his range is. If he comes back to college, um, there's a chance he maybe improves his draft stock, but um, I, th- I think more, more than likely he, he stays in the NBA draft, and this is probably about where he's gonna end up going. Um, okay, that's all for today's show. Thank you all for uh, for tuning in. Cobb, thank you so much for, uh, for your time today. Uh, if you haven't already, please go to cbsport.com, check David Cobb's mock draft. You will not regret it, especially if you like Keegan Murray, and especially if you hate Jalen Duran. Um, be sure to subscribe to the Ion College Basketball YouTube channel, and uh, thank you all for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Thank you. All.